welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. What's going on? Well, lots going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, Too many things to name. Yeah. I mean, markets are a little scary right now. They are. Mm -hmm. We're recording this on Monday. Yeah going to be released on wednesday and uh big day today yeah not necessarily in a good way no no markets were down markets were down and so as as an investor you know we we help people invest but we also invest in our own it, it can be scary yeah so i think we want we want to address that today so title of this episode is going to be scary markets what should i do what should i do mm-hmm. so the first thing i think we should do is just allow ourselves to feel the feeling of being scared mm. Nothing wrong with it. It's very natural. Like we were, we're kind of designed to feel feelings. We don't want to like to talk about it very much, but we feel them for a reason because they used to help us be safe. Well, if that's step one, then I'm one for one. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrified. No, I mean, all jokes aside, like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. watching, um, watching things go down as quickly as they are can feel scary. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and we'll, we'll feel compelled to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just simply recognizing that we're feeling the feelings is, is truly is step one, all jokes aside. I agree because I think people say, oh, successful investing is unemotional investing. And, and that can be true, but that doesn't mean it's, it's bad to feel the emotions. Absolutely. There's a difference between feeling the emotions and letting the emotions guide your investment decisions. Yeah. I mean, if you have an advisor tell you like, don't worry, you'll be totally fine. And we'll, we'll probably eventually get to something around that. But step one is, yeah, it can feel scary to be mm-hmm. invested in the market when it goes down and has a 7% down day. Yeah. there And there's bad stuff happening that's driving that. Coronavirus so that's is totally... happening right now. And it has people driving on fear that, that the economy is really going to slow down. Yeah. And yeah. it could potentially happen. Mm-hmm. Um, economies grow and contract on a regular basis. Right. Something we'll talk about today. Right. So step one, I feel it. Yeah. What's step two for me? Um, you know, I think for step two, let's go, let's step back one second before we get to your step two. And let's just look at what's normal and normals in quotes. What's normal for markets? Like yeah. What, what, what's, what's a normal expectation that we normally see in the market? Well, I think, uh, Ten percent per year is what I see. Markets normally return ten percent. Am I wrong? Right. Well, I think like, if you get back to the concept of like since nineteen twenty six, this S and P five hundred's returned compounded annually. Yeah. Blah blah right? blah. We think like oh, then we get in our head like okay, great, markets go up. Um, they don't really. We don't have to worry about them going down, right? But let's let's go dive into that. Let's look back over the last forty years mm-hmm. of the S and P five hundred, and let's just look at what normally happens on a year-over-year basis Mm -hmm. okay so why don't we think of it in terms of um and jp morgan has a great slide on this on their guide to markets we'll link to it in show notes Uh, but it's annual returns and intra-year declines 
So that means two things. How did the stock market end up that year, the S&P 500? And then within that year, what was the biggest drop that occurred during the year? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, James, if, if I, you know, obviously we start thinking like, the average, we think, oh, we get a 10% rate of return every year. So we probably don't think about the drawdowns very often. How many years was there a drawdown of 10% or more in the year? Most of them, 57% of them. Yeah. So if, if you look at them, all those 40 years, 23 of them had a drawdown of at least 10% right. or more in that year. Yeah. So more often than a coin flip, was there a drawdown of 10% or more? Yes. Yeah. Now, if we took that to a coin flip, what would that number actually end up being? About 14%. The 14% drawdown. Drawdown. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Correct. Is it essentially becomes a coin flip. Yeah. And then if we get to being 15% or more, how it's often was that happen? A little over a third of the time. So 35% of the time, the markets went down 15% in a year. Mm, yeah. Which is where we are today because the markets ended up down, I think, intra-year drawdown, we're probably looking at about 18%. 18, right 18 18.5%, right. Yeah. And one thing I want to step back and make sure, because intra-year declines can be kind of confusing. It's like, wait, the market's up, but it Good. was down at the same time. Thank you for remembering that we speak Latin. I appreciate that. What an intra-year decline means is even if the market's up 10% in a given year, mm-hmm. at some point, if there was an intra-year decline of, say, 15%, for example, it means market from their peak that year to their bottom that year went down 15% despite still ending the year positive. Yeah. So even though most years on average, about 75% of the time on average, markets go up, mm-hmm. still on average, those very same years have intra-year declines. At some point during that year, they were down about 14% or so. Yeah. So why is that important to remember? Maybe that's a rhetorical question, but why? <laughs> well, it gets back to the concept that you just kind of almost glossed over, right? Even though all of these intra-year declines happen, 75% of the time, we just said over 57% of the time, intra-year declines of 10% or more happen. Mm-hmm. But yet 75% of the time, markets typically end up positive. Right. Right? Yeah. That's a big deal. Because the thing is, by the stock market is always about putting our money at risk to get a return above and beyond what the risk-free rate is, which is usually trading like U.S. treasuries because the U.S. can always print more cash, right? The chances of that going to zero are virtually nothing. That's a different conversation for a different day because interest rates are coming down. But given that, um, we're going and investing in the stock market. We're always putting our money at risk. When we put our money at risk, it can go down. Yeah, We're seeing it go down right now. But in the, grand, in the context of everything, while the, it never feels normal when it happens because there's always a new um, – issue a new crisis du jour right there's some reason why it's going down it's normal for it to go down Mm -hmm. well i like what you just said because i think every single time we have what we'll call correction which is when the market goes down 10 percent or more Mm -hmm. it always feels like this time it'll be different or Mm -hmm. this time it won't just be a correction yep and i think that's feeling is totally natural and 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 the reason markets go down is because investors everywhere are taking whatever bad news is out there or that we think is going to be out there and kind of discounting that back to today. Mm-hmm. So it's those fears and even those future fears of what could happen, which is what we're facing right now, that is driving the downturn of, you know, call 18%. The stock market today isn't down 18% because 3,000 people worldwide 
have already died of coronavirus, it's down 18% because the fear is so many more may do so and the supply chain issues and the economic issues and all that. So it's that this is what it feels like to be in a correction or even a bear market Mm -hmm. as it starts to go down. Yep. Yep. And and even as I say it right now, when I, I say like, it's always about the crisis du jour, when I say that, I know people at home are going to be like, yeah, but this time is different. And it's like, yeah, it, it could be. You, you never know. Like, yeah. Of course it could be. Um, but when you go b- look back over time, you're like, this market has gone through world wars. It has gone through um, all kinds of things mm-hmm. that in that moment felt like this time is different. Mm-hmm. When we go back and look at the history of it, the question is, does does this really change all that much more than history? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah. And we could rattle off a whole bunch of times that were maybe, you know, Spanish flu killed 50 million people worldwide. Yeah. We survived it. World War One and World War Two, a lot of devastation. Yes. To economies and to people. Yes. We survived it. Inflation, impeachment, all this different stuff, like it comes and it goes. Not to say it's good or it's bad. This isn't us just saying, hey, everything's going to be fine and dandy, we'll get past it. It's us saying companies, capitalisms, they have a way of innovating and surviving mm-hmm. and, and then continuing to grow over time. And that's what we're trusting in because you're right. We don't know the future. What we're looking at is how has how have these things done in the past right. and what can we expect going forward? And also, is this is this within the bounds of, of norms, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. And it, and it is to this point, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why don't we give it a slightly different lens? You you had this idea for today as well, because um, I think that also helps. And then we'll go into the concept of what what should I do? Yeah. So I'm going to give you six options. Six different investment options. Six investment options. Give them so you're in my office. I'm saying, hey, Scott, I got an investment for you. And I'm going to okay. give you six options. Yes. Uh, investment option number one, it goes up in value 53% of the time. Okay. Okay. That's... Uh, that sounds like gambling. Do you say a little better than gambling, but, mm-hmm. but still close? Yeah. Investment option two, it goes up in value 63% of the time. Sounds better. Sounds a little better. I like it. Investment option number three, it goes up in value 73% of the time. Nice. Investment number four goes up in value 88% of the time. Investment five goes up in value 94% of the time. And then my last investment, my, my final investment, investment number six, it goes up in value 100% of the time. I'll take investment six, please. You'll take investment six. Do they all have different rates of return? Can I get the highest rate of return with 100% guarantee? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Not only do they have the same rate of return, they are the exact same investment. What? Every single one of those is the same investment. The difference in each of those is the time frame that you remain invested. Oh. Uh... So investment option number one, it only went up in value 53% of the time, which really what that means is you lose money 47% of the time. Right. That doesn't feel good. So what's that? What that's ref- that? That's showing you the S&P 500 daily returns. Okay. So so daily return, S&P 500, for whatever time frame you used on this. This is like 80 years or 90 years or something. It oh, goes so back like a long time. back as far oh, as yeah. that, I'll take it. 53% of the time I win, 47% of the time. 47% of the time I lose. Right. Okay. Yeah. But if I change my my frame of reference to only looking at monthly returns. You go out to monthly. 63% of the time I win and 20. 37. Thir- pardon me. 37% of the time I lose. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then if I go to annual returns, 73% yep. of the time I win and 27% of the time I lose. Yep. 73% of the time each year, the S&P's up. 27% of the time, it's down. Okay. And then if I go to five-year returns, I'm to 88% winning 
10-year returns 94% of the time, 20-year rolling periods, I'm at 100% of the time. Yeah. So basically, the lens that I'm looking through matters a lot. Yes. If you're looking here and now, and at today, at this month, at this week, it is very normal to expect that some of those days or months or years even are going to be very bad. Yeah. There's no reason to think we're not going to have those going forward. It's never really different. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can take a big step back and say, what am I ultimately investing for? You know, is this for my long-term retirement? Is this for college? Is this for a home? Is this right. is just for, for future fam? Whatever you're investing for, your investment should align with that. Yeah. And so when you can take a step back and say, okay, you know, for me, for example, if I'm investing for retirement, great, 100% of the time, historically speaking, yeah. a long-term investment is going to do bet. very well. It's, it's a, a good, good bet. bet. Yeah. Now, that brings up another point, I think, of what if you're already retired? You're saying, okay, hey, James and Scott, cool, you're talking, but I'm already retired. I don't have 20 years to make this happen. Yeah. What does that look like? So I actually think that with this frame of reference, we should go back to what what should I do or what can I do, right? Scary Markets are scary. What should I do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the place where all of this starts is do you already have a plan? Yeah. And do you know what your plan is? Mm-hmm. Because when you go to retire, like you just mentioned, if you're retired, well, if you're retired, um, my with, an, with the way that we work with clients, we set up for them what's um, a sustainable withdrawal rate for their portfolio. Um, any of them, if they were to come to us right now worried, nothing's changed because we've built the portfolio to withstand situations like this. That's what it's designed to do. Mm-hmm. And what do you so, – so you have different stocks. You have the best funds that can outsmart so it's, it's this just, or what? It's creating – it's not about getting into the details of what exactly you go invest in. It's about creating a plan with a certain amount of risk and a certain amount of return built into the plan so that you can handle these downturns that are inevitable. Mm-hmm. They are always going to come. You have to plan for them to come. If you only plan for everything to go up forever, you would just be in the equities markets all the time, Right. If you know that downturns are going to come, then you put ballast in your portfolio by investing in the bond market. And investing in the bond market creates a safe haven during downturns in which we can pull funds from while the equity markets can come back and recover. Right. So long as you built the portfolio that way, unless something dramatically has changed in your financial life where all of a sudden you have a huge need for more income or something like that, hopefully, for the most part, nothing should have changed. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Definitely. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the same. I mean, what's going to change is where you take income from. You know, if, you, if you're just blindly taking, if I'm speaking to retirees here, for example, um, if markets are down, maybe, whereas last year markets were up. So a lot of your income maybe was coming from your stock funds. Right. This year, stocks are down so far. So if you're taking monthly income, you want to change where you're taking it from. Right. You want to take it from the bonds that have actually gone up right. quite a bit in the past couple of weeks as everything else has gone down. Yeah, so if you're managing your own portfolio on your own, take take heart in that and go look at those things. If you're working with an advisor, they should already be doing those things for you. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. So you get, let's get back to your point of do you have a plan mm-hmm. and you want to make sure you have a plan because your plan is going to dictate what needs to change. Well, but the first thing you should look at is do you have a plan? And if you do have a plan, the next thing you should go ask is have my goals changed in any way? Mm. And if they haven't, then more than likely the plan that you have should be sound and designed to handle these downturns. As we've just chatted about at the very beginning, the, these intra-year down, uh, down periods are normal. Right. We see them often. The reason we see them always feels different and scary, but the fact that they happen is 
pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if nothing's changed um, and your goals are the same, I mean, it, you can always reach out. If you have an advisor, you can always reach out to them and talk to them about it if you want to. Um, if you already know that nothing should change, then you're good. You're not worried about it. It's more so if you are worried about it. Take take action to help yourself make a stick with your plan. Yeah, and that plan is going to look different if you have a lot of years left until you retire, or if you already are retired. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, if you're so if you're not retired, so if you are retired and you need this income, make, you know, and the plan is designed such that nothing's really changed for you, well, then you're good, right? Right. Um, if you're in those years when. Um, if you're in those years where doing like the we call it the gap years where you're retired now but you're not necessarily fully taking social security and other things yet, well, wow, now may be a wonderful time to look at something like a Roth conversion mm-hmm. while markets are, are lower mm-hmm. is another potential option, mm-hmm. right? Because we can convert more more shares for the same price point right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like also look at what are the are there any benefits to this for you? Right. Um, if you're not retired and you're building assets. Well, it's kind of like Nordstrom's half annual sale just happened. We see it happens on a regular basis with these intra-year declines. You can right now go buy stocks at a discount. Mm -hmm. So while it feels scary in the moment, it's also an opportunity if you're willing to view it through that lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fully agree. The same. I think you hit upon it. You you, want to separate what things should we do right now and what you should you do. Well, it's things like Roth conversions. It's things like, okay, if you have extra cash, can you put that to work? It's things like tax loss harvesting or even tax gain harvesting depending mm-hmm. upon where you are it's mm-hmm. so there are certain practical planning things that you can do that can add value because of what's happening in the market yeah then there's other things that you shouldn't do which is you shouldn't change your strategy in the midst of this if you're making a change to what you're doing you really didn't have a strategy to start with yeah i think i was um i can't remember i think it might have been carl richards who gave the the idea of you know you're out on the boat you're out on your boat and you're sailing and a storm comes along and you decide that you want to go get in the dinghy during the storm when the boat's still a sound boat like that is not the right time to go jump off the boat into the dinghy right when the mark when the volatility's happening mm-hmm. which is the storm the storm in the markets is the the analogy there the time to see if you need to change your change anything on your boats like when the when the storm's gone mm-hmm. right that's the time to make the change making the rash decision in the moment typically doesn't work out well for you right yeah fully agree anything else you want to add to this besides you're going to take my winning investment number six op- six option and winning number six is great do very well with it <laughs> they are all the same no i think i think the biggest thing is it, it does come back to the concept of, of focus on what you can control Right, we can control, and then and allowing yourself feel how you feel, allow yourself to feel the feelings. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But then also go look at what you can control, and make sure you have a plan in place. And if you don't get one in place, well said. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Personal Finance. If you haven't done so already, and you've been a listener to the show but haven't yet subscribed, please do so. Subscribing will allow you to receive notification every time a new episode is released, which is every Wednesday morning. If you have been listening to the show and you're enjoying it, please let us know by leaving a review. A review will help more people to find our show, and we enjoy hearing from our listeners. Finally, if you have a question that you want us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. That's realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a page there dedicated to you being able to submit your own question for Scott and I to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. 
This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.